Well, it was a lot busier of a trade deadline than I thought it was going to be for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They make two more deadline deals on deadline day. I'm going to tell you all my thoughts about them. Do they make sense? Did Ron Hexall overall have a good trade deadline? You're going to get my thoughts on that coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to a late Friday edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Store Penguins. And, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So my day got started, you know, pretty early in the morning. You know, Fridays are my off days for my full-time job at this fun. And, you know, I usually like to sleep in the best I can, but no deadline day still gets me nervous. So I woke up at about 8 o'clock, check my phone, you know, and I see a notification from Elliot Freeman. And he said, oh, hearing Pittsburgh acquired Nick Menino late at night. And, you know, I stayed up pretty late. I didn't see any rumors about it. I was up till whew, 1, 1 I would say on Thursday night. Again, I am a late, I'm a late night owl. I do this all the time. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. My girlfriend was laying in bed and she was like, oh, like, who, who is that? Because she obviously didn't know about the Penguins before, you know, we started dating. And I'm like, oh, I just, a few words, just an old friend, I think is by the way I described it. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm excited about it, you know. I'm glad that Nick Benino is back. You know, he is he the same player that he once was? No. no. Let's let's be real here. This is not the Nick Benino that we saw in 2016 and 2017, who was one of the best third line centers in the league and who was a part of one of the greatest lines this franchise has ever seen, the HBK line, especially in the playoffs. Um, his skating has gone down a little bit. His offense has dried up. He only has 19 points this season. I believe nine of those are goals. Underlines aren't as good. But he still plays a role. Think about it. Teddy Bluger traded to Las Vegas for a third-round pick. Ryan Paling had a little bit of a setback. He's still on the road trip. We thought he was getting really close to returning. We don't know when that is at this point. He's had this injury all year long. I think at this point, we probably can't even rely on Ryan Paling to play, you know, potentially the rest of the season and in the playoffs because he might just need, you know, a full offseason. I don't know if surgery is required for this injury, but he's had it all year. It's not going away. He's been trying to play through it, um, but he's out right now. Those two moves, him paling being out and Bluger going, open up a spot for Nick Menino in this lineup. He can play center. He plays. A, he's played a lot of wing this year for the Sharks, but obviously for the Penguins, you all know he was part of the HBK line. He played the third line center role. So you can put him at either one of the positions. Right now, I'm guessing he's going to be the fourth line center. O'Connor's going to move to wing. Archibald will stay down there, something like that. You know, maybe Denton Heinen comes out of the lineup. I'm not sure. You know, oh, that Ron Hextall said today that O'Connor is going to be recalled for the game on Saturday. I would assume he is going to stay in. If I had to guess who comes out of the lineup, it's probably going to be Denton Heinen. Outside chance, Josh Archibald, just because he hasn't really been doing much, I don't think, as of late, just, you know, hasn't been at the same level that he was during the beginning of the season, but I would probably guess Heinen, even though he's been playing, you know, decently good for the last week. 
But, you know, you look at Benino's impacts for the season, ranks in the 50th percentile in terms of defense. If you look at Andy and Rono's stuff, defensive impact ranks in the 56th percentile, zone entry denials, 44th percentile, role difficult. He's playing a decent role, so he's two-thirds of the league. Um, Well, I shouldn't say two-thirds of the league. Only a third of the league plays less of a, you know, role difficult than him. Recovery's a little low, but he, he can still play well on the PK. Offense, 32nd percentile transition, 30th percentile. So again, his the offensive part of his game has definitely gone away. And that's just pure um, Andy Rono stuff. If you look at Jay Fresh's stuff, more of the analytics, ranks in the 94th percentile in terms of even strength defense. That is who he is. Overall, wins by replacement, about 50 50th percentile PK, 58th percentile finishing, 58th percentile. So he can still finish a little bit, but he's known for his defense and his penalty killing, penalty killing ability. That is what he is going to be doing for this team. And honestly, he probably is going to be an upgrade over Teddy Bluger. Um, I think at everything, to be honest. You know, I know Bluger was good defensively. I know he was good on the PK, but people need to stop overrating that. I get it. Bluger was a good penalty killer for this team. But the fact that people say like, oh, well, the PK goes as he goes, that's not accurate. Even after he came back, after he came back, even like this last month, PK's been at like 75% before he got traded. I don't I don't think he's just this magic penalty kill whisperer that is going to make it go from, oh, 75% to 100% or something like that. No, no. He definitely improved it, sure. But, you know, Getting him out of there and putting Nick Benino on there, I think is going to be an improvement. He blocks a lot of shots. He's good at getting the puck out. He's just a very good penalty killer. And again, offensively, Benino has nine goals this year. Teddy Bluger has two in the last calendar year. Benino also has more points. His, his offensive metrics, while not good, are better than Bluger. So I do think overall that is a win for the Penguins. You give up a fifth and a seventh round pick. Who cares? Fifth round pick went to Montreal. So you're giving up, giving up a seven round pick to the Sharks. Oh, and the Habs are also helping me out. They're eating half of his salary. So the Penguins are literally getting Nick Benino at a 1.12 salary for this season. Actually, no. Yeah, 1.1, excuse me. He's a rental. It's fine. You know, he knows the system. All the core players love him. Mike Sullivan loves him. The fans love him. I know he makes the team a little bit older. Trust me. I get it. I probably would have gone after someone younger. But... The move makes sense, at least when you ask me. He knows his role. I think the bottom six improves with him there. I really like it, to say the least. Now, finally, before we move to our second segment, the other trade from today, which I got to admit, I did not see coming, um, and I had to do a little bit of a double take. So when Pierre Lebrun put the tweet out there that here in the Penguins are acquiring Dmitry Kulikov from the Ducks, I'm like, oh boy. Here we go. It's just going to be for a pick. It's just going to be dumb and all that. No. Um, next time I need to just wait for the full trade details to come out because um, this trade actually worked a little bit in the Penguins' favor. They trade a third-round pick in next year's draft plus the full contract of Brock McGinn to the Ducks in exchange for Kulikov. Um, I will take that. You get out of McGinn's deal for this year and the two years after. I think it's just... Honestly, this deal means more to the Penguins, I would say, after this season 
than it does for the rest of the season. You get more cap flexibility going into the offseason. Right now, I actually, you know, I went on cap friendly earlier. Even with the Mikhail Granlin deal for next year, this team will still have 21 million in salary cap space to dish out. Well, not to dish out, but you know, open to them, I should say. So, you know, that leaves Tristan Jari contract, Jason Zucker, if they want to bring him back, whatever they want to do, they'll have to at least they'll have over 20 million in cap space. So if McGinn was still here, it would be a little bit below that, maybe like 17, 18 million, something like that. But, you know, all the best wishes to Brock McGinn. Wonderful, wonderful guy. One of the nicest people you could probably ever talk to. He came on my show a year and a half ago, right after he signed with the Penguins. Was super excited to come here. It just didn't work out. That's what happens sometimes, you know. Wasn't playing well this year. He played his heart out on Tuesday. I respect the hell out of him for that. Had the primary assist on Sidney Rosby's high goal. If he doesn't do that, the Penguins may not win that game. Um, you know, it's not his fault that Hexall gave him a long contract with an AAV close to 3 million, but you know, he just wasn't working out here and you know, my best wishes go out to him as he goes to the ducks. Hopefully he'll be able to rediscover, rediscover his offensive game there and, you know, just maybe get some more ice time, you know, putting him in the Myers was not going to be fair. Um, but as for Dmitry Kulikov joins now the Penguins defensive corp. They got eight defensemen at the NHL level, 10 if you want to count Mark Friedman and Ty Smith down in Wilkes-Barre. <clears throat> Seems weird, I know. My biggest question is, where is Kulikov going to play? You look at the deep, the defenseman right now. Chris Letang is not coming out of the lineup. Marcus Pedersen is not coming out of the lineup. Jeff Petrie is not coming out of the lineup. Jan Ruda, I have a hard time seeing coming him coming out of the lineup. We all know how much Mike Selvin loves Ryan Dumoulin and P.O. Joseph has been very good as a rookie. I just wouldn't take any of those guys out right now for Kulikov. I know he's not coming here to sit in the press box every night. He's going to get some games here down the stretch, whether there is an injury to the defense or not. But it's just, it's weird. Like, you know, I think if Ty Smith wasn't hurt with the facial fracture, they probably don't do this. But how many games is he truly going to play? And is is everyone really comfortable taking out POJ for him? Because he's been pretty solid as a rookie this year. I mean, I'm not taking out Marcus Pedersen. I think at least five of the six starting defensemen are better than Kulikov. You can argue Brian Dumoulin whichever way you want. I probably would lean on the side that Dumoulin's been a little bit better than him this season. But I also do know that Kulikov has had kind of a rough year in Anaheim. I've never been a fan of him. I will say that. I think, you know, he's just kind of just a defensive defenseman. I've I've called him left-handed Jan Ruda. But, you know, going into last this past season with the Ducks, when he was traded there, he ranked in the 65th percentile in even strength offense, 93rd percentile in even strength defense, 76th percentile um, wins above price. Everything else was in the red. But, you know, he was known for being stingy defensively. Offensively, he even had a pretty decent year. You know, while he was in Minnesota, but this year, if you look at Dom stuff, um, 73rd percentile in terms of ice time goals, only the 35th percentile assists, not much better expected goals, the 42nd percentile. But if you look at his usage, 96th percentile among all NHL defensemen, he was playing top pairing minutes for the ducks. That's obviously a really bad team. It's way too much down here. He'll play on the bottom pairing. 
I don't think they're going to give him top pairing minutes here with Chris Letang or second pairing minutes with Jeff Petrie. If anyone's going to come out, probably going to be POJ. I just do not see them taking Brian Dumoulin out. So we'll have to see how that goes. That's up to Mike Sullivan. Again, I expect the top six, I expect this to be the top six heading into the playoffs, but they probably are going to experiment down the stretch, maybe give some guys some rest if they're especially getting closer to the playoff spot, yada, yada, yada. But to think that he's going to come in here and supplant one of the guys on the left side, I think is maybe a little bit of wishful thinking, but it's fine. It's cheap depth. I'm not really super mad about it. Um, I was upset about it at the time because it looked like it was completely useless. But once I saw the bigger picture, once I saw it was to clear Brock Begins' contract, can give them more cap flexibility for the rest of the season and in years ahead, I'm fine with it. You know, so both trades today, Yins, fine. You know, it's totally fine if you ask me. But that wraps up this first segment with, trade, with, with part of the trade deadline. Coming up in the second segment, um, what are my overall thoughts on Ron Hextall's deadline? Did he do enough? to get this team a little bit better for the rest of the season. That's going to be the main topic of discussion for the next segment. But before we get to that, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, and you've got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've got just the thing for you. got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you don't think they're good for you. They're also perfect for your new resolution, and they come in great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. And you also don't even need to wait around to get a box from Amazon or anything like that. You can just you know, go to your local Walmart, Sam's Club, get cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, all of that stuff. You can thank me later when it comes to that. All right, I'm back here in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at MLSR Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So, overall thoughts on Ron Hextall's trade deadline. <clears throat> eh. That's, I'm not going to sit here and say it was an F or anything like that. I think that's maybe a little too harsh. But <clears throat> C- minus at best, D. Because the thing about this one, Coming into the day, if, if they did not trade for Mikhail Gramlin, right, and you did that trade for with Brock McGinn, and you bring Kulikov in, and even if you bring Nick Benino in, you still have over $5 million in salary cap space, probably even more, more than $6 million in salary cap space. You could have went out and really gotten a true difference maker for your bottom six or for your top six, someone slides down whenever you want. That is where I think Hextall failed the most at this deadline. Minino deal, whatever. Kulo Cup deal, whatever. But, you know, if he had not maybe rushed into the Grambling deal, I totally think that was a reactionary move to a lot of the other moves that were being made by other teams in the Eastern Conference. I think maybe when he struck out on a JT Miller on a Jacob Trickman, even though he easily should have paid that price, he immediately went to something else. I was like, you know what? I'll do it. Who cares? Screw it. And Mikhail Gramlin was the first one that maybe popped into his head. That's, that is how I see it. I, I think he definitely could have done a lot of things differently during this trade deadline. I, I don't think he needed to rush that trade for Gramlin. Honestly, ends. part of me thinks that he only watched, like he wasn't even on his radar <laughs> until that game in Nashville and he saw the breakaway and saw the a couple other scoring chances he had. And he was like, oh, I'm in. That's the guy I want. I haven't watched him all year, but that's the guy I want. 
like part part of me thinks that. I mean, he probably watched other games and Hextall's explanation today when he talked about the Greenland trade. Yeah, I tried to trade for him a couple of years ago, wasn't available, and you know I spoke to other GMs today who said uh, the same thing. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I have a girlfriend who goes to a different school. She's totally real, right? Like, yeah, she, she's yeah. I have friends. Don't worry. They're they're just they're they're in a different like country. They're not they're not real. I, it, stuff like it's just like okay, dude, what, whatever. I don't need to hear that explanation, but you know, I just I just wasn't fully sold on his plan at the deadline. It, it, it felt like he truly had no plan, to be honest. Um, had he not struck that deal for Granlin, I don't even know what he would have done today. He might have only just done Benino and uh, Kulikov, but you know, they had plenty of room to add a more impact player than Granlin. Again, I'm not hating on Granlin himself. He, he's a good player. Seems like a good guy, head on his shoulders. I'm just don't, I'm just not liking Hexall's strategy heading, you know, just during this deadline as a whole. Because after this, you get Granlin, you know, you're fixing past mistakes. Brock began a contract you didn't have to sign in the first place. You know, you're getting Benino because you traded Bluger and Paling's not hurt. You know, just seems, you know, a lot of moves just to just, you know, to admit that, hey, your bottom six coming into this season was a bunch of crap, which it was. You know, I think it it, it didn't take you know, a genius to realize that. I mean, the bottom six was obviously the team's biggest weakness. But yeah, that, that's how I really feel about the trade deadline strategy. Just a lot of stuff that, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't fully get it, I guess, at times. You know, I, I think Josh Yoey probably summed it up better than me if I can find it. You know, yeah, as I found right here, you know, again, getting against cap hit is good off the books. But you know, can help. But, you know, he also made a point that I just you know saw now. You're paying Mikhail Granlin's salary for two and a half years at five million per after you just cleared McGinn, McGinn and Kapanen's salary, just replacing those salaries with Granlin. It's just like I don't know. I feel like that's just bad salary cap management. You know, if he ends up being good for them, awesome. I would love to be wrong about that. I think everyone would love to be wrong about that. But if he doesn't play as well as I think a lot of us maybe think he will. Then we're going to be stuck here asking this question. Like, you could have gotten someone who's going to provide you, you know, more value in that situation. So, I don't think it's that good of a deadline. I think overall, it's going to be some of these, you know, Benito will have a little bit of an impact. Kulikov will play at times, but, you know, Granlin will be hopefully okay. Maybe, hopefully, it'll be great. But did they get better? Sure. It's a minimal impact for me. Um, the bottom six, I do think, is improved a bit. You have Drew O'Connor down there. Dan Hines been playing better hockey, but you still got Jeff Carter, who isn't. He was just a corpse. Josh Archibald, okay, he hasn't really been doing much as of late, but I can see why he's still there. Of course, you know you got now you got Nick Benino coming in. You got Mikhail Granlin. Overall, I think it's probably a little bit of a better group. You know, Bluger, Captain, and McInner out. Benino, Granlin, and O'Connor are really in with Heinen. Maybe it's a wash. I, I, again, I think right now, if you, if you compare it to the bottom six coming into the season, I think it's a little bit better, but it's really not that much. So that's really all I have to say about that. Just wish Hextall had a little bit of better planning when it came to the deadline and maybe gone after it's just more of a bigger fish, I guess. But hey, maybe this works. This would be very Penguins. If this is the team that goes on to win a round or two and go on a deep run, right? They've won four in a row. 
We'll see if they can keep it going um, this weekend. But that wraps up the second segment. Coming up to end the show, it is time for a full preview for Penn's Cats round three, the final game between these two teams this season. The Penguins have won both matchups, one in Sunrise, one in Pittsburgh. I'll get you set for this one and how the Penguins can make it five in a row get their longest winning streak in a couple of months. But before we get to that, if you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And it's the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that you know, you can do these assessments right after you send in your applications to make sure that you are qualified for the job hiring managers and all that, they get back to you super quickly as well. Just two of the reasons why I love it. Um, it also makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, it's the number one job, job site worldwide. And it delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined as well. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash on. The offer is valid through the end of the month, March 31st. You go to Indeed.com slash on to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. One more time, that's indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed. All right, we're back here in this episode of the Locked On Penguins Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So, Penguins Cats. Big matchup yet again. The Panthers right now sitting just out of the playoffs. Um, when you look at the standings, Penguins have 71 points, one point ahead of the New York Islanders. Panthers 66. Um, Penguins also have two games in hand on the Panthers. So um, if they win tomorrow, they'll be seven points up. And if they win those other two games in hand, they will be 11 points up. We'll basically make it impossible at this point for the Panthers to catch them. And the Panthers come into this game super Super banged up. Um, this is a team right now that is missing um, Sam Bennett and Sasha Barkov. Uh, Barkov, Sasha's been out for I think the last week, something like that. Um, I'm not, I'm not fully sure if he is coming back tomorrow. They're both day to day as of right now. If they do not, that if they do not play, those will be massive losses. For the Panthers, Barkov is one of the best uh, centers in the league. Best two-way centers, I should say, can do it all offensively and defensively. They have definitely felt his loss this week. They just lost to the Predators 2-1. to one. They've just been a very middling, very disappointing team. The offense hasn't been there. They averaged four goals a game last season. It's down to less than two and a half this season. And it's almost like, wow, when you hire Paul Maurice, this is what happens. Because he's probably one of the more overrated coaches in NHL history. I don't know why they decided to go with him. They should have went with basically anyone else. He's not a good coach, and he has very middling results. But this team, despite no Barkov and um, Sam Bennett, if they don't play, um, still can be dangerous. Matthew Kachuk, awesome player. We all know what he can do. He's one of the best left wings in the sport. Anton Lundell, Sam Reinhart is having a good year. Anthony Duclair, Ryan, Carter Verhage, he had a great year for the Panthers last year. He's having another good year this year. Ryan Lomberg, Eric Stahl, Nick Cousins, Casey Fitzgerald, Colin White, Zach Delp. So still decent forward group. Just Paul Maurice hasn't been able to get as much out of them as maybe Panthers fans hoped. Defensively, Gustav Forsling and Aaron Ekblad, that's probably one of the more underrated top pairings in the league. Ekblad, don't think he was in the lineup the last time these two teams played. He will be this time. He is awesome. 
do what does it all, moves the puck, defends in his own zone. Forsling is the perfect partner for him. He's like kind of like a like a I guess more of like a prime Brian Gimlin for Ekblad. That's a, a Forsling is a player that I would love to see paired with Latang. I think he would he would be like the perfect kind of partner for him as well. Mark Starl, Mark Stahl, Brandon Montour, and then Josh Mahura, and then Radko Kudas, and then goalies Sergei Bobrovsky and Alex Lyon would expect Bobrovsky to start in this game. Uh, Penguins have also generally done well against the Panthers, um, just not just down in Sunrise, but overall, if I can get my game notes up here, if they want to load for me, um, I don't know why. Um, my phone is just totally crapping out on me. Nice. Well, I'm going to reset my email. But again, you know, this is still, okay, perfect. You were able to get it. In their last six games against the Panthers, the Penguins have won four out of six. They also have points in 19 of the last 23 meetings against them, 15 and four and four. And in their last 10 visits to FLA Live Arena, they have gone six and two and four. They have 10, they have a point in at least 10 of their last 12 visits down there. And after this game, massive home stretch coming up five in a row, six out of eight. So for this one, all about containing Kitschok. He is the big one. Need better goaltending in this one because the Penguins got very lucky to win that last game against the Panthers. Casey DeSmith was horrendous in that game. He was, uh, he he looked like honestly an ECHL ECHL goalie out there, just allowing goals that should not have been allowed. His movement looked pretty terrible. But you know, this game it will be Tristan Jari, I believe, starting in net. You know, containing Kachuk, always big. Sam Reinhart, Carter Verhage. If Sasha is back, making sure you contain him. As well, I want to see the power play on the road also get back to normal. It has been so bad on the road this season. Um, I heard a stat um, during the broadcast on Thursday night. I'm pretty sure they're they're about close to four for their last 50 on the power play um, on the road. It's horrendous. It's what, 8%? Come on, man. I mean, even you know against Tampa Bay on Thursday night, they had a prime opportunity late in the third period to put that game away. Not even being able to gain the zone. And the zone entries, they just get worse every single game. It's not fun. I don't know what Tar Reardon is doing. It's total crap. Um, that needs to get going in a big way. I want to see how the new guys keep doing. I want to see how Granlin plays. Benino's going to play on the penalty kill, probably with Granlin. want to see how that rotation goes if the penalty kill can get back to the, you know, just being a strength of the team like it was <clears throat> earlier in the season. Um, and, I think that's really all I have. You know, just got shut down the Panthers' top stars. You know, I don't, I'm not really too afraid of their depth. I mean, it's good that Eric Stahl is still kicking kicking a little bit. You know, Ryan Longbird's not bad. Casey Fitzgerald's okay. Colin White, the Panthers took a flyer on him. Got to contain Ekblad, of course. But this should still be really fun game. You know, if you can limit those chances against, make sure you're not allowing easy goals to the Panthers. Penguins can definitely come out with a win in this one. If they do, this could be another big big day for the Penguins tomorrow. There's a lot of big games on the schedule um, for Saturday. If you, if you want to take a look right now, I'm actually going to do this. Tampa plays Buffalo. Tampa wins. That's a 12.30 start time. And Pittsburgh wins. Go up by seven points on the Sabres. Red Wings Islanders, one team's going to win there, probably in regulation. But the loser, whoever loses that game, the Penguins win. That'll be big. Um, especially, actually, you probably want to root for the Red Wings in that game because if they win and if the Penguins win and the Islanders lose, Penguins go up three points on the Islanders and the Penguins still have three games in hand on them even after tomorrow. So that would also be big. And then if we keep looking ahead to the schedule here, you know, Washington would be good if they lose to San Jose, but I think they're kind of out of it at this point. 
And then you also have Columbus, Ottawa, you know, what if Columbus goes up there and beats them? So a lot of very important games on the schedule tomorrow. Penguins have been getting a lot of help lately. See if they can, you know, keep chugging along here and get some help from other teams. If they win this one, be five in a row heading into Tuesday's game against Columbus. So that does it for this one. Um, Thank you all so much for all of the support on the content this week, especially on the YouTube channel. We we have gained over 100 subscribers in the last month. We are up to 906 subscribers on the YouTube channel, 94 away from monetization. Audio-wise, we're already plus 115% audio downloads compared to this time last month. You all are the best. I can't thank you all enough. I know it it helps that it's deadline week. Everyone is probably looking for new stuff to listen to, but I know there's a lot of returning listeners that listen to this show. Thank you to everyone who listens to this, whether it's one episode, three, 10, every single one. I really do appreciate it. So I'll be back with another episode on Monday to recap this game against the Panthers and then to also preview Tuesday night's game against Columbus. I might be going to that game. We'll have to see. But again, thank you all so much for listening and watching. We'll be back on Monday. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.